On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we're recapping KU's win over Illinois 34-23 on Friday night. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked On Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can also find us and like and subscribe to our show on our YouTube page. On today's edition of the show, squeeze a little bit of time out during my uh, busy work day. We're going to be breaking down, recapping the KU win over Illinois, 34-23, to the final score. The game was a lot more dominant and felt a lot more in hand than that until kind of that very end kind of flurry from Illinois. First, this episode of the show is brought to you by Game Time. Get your tickets with Game Time and get $20 off. Use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off when you sign up with Game Time. So KU takes down Illinois, 34-23. to It was a game that was not close early. That was one of the most dominant halves of football we have seen in the Lance Leipold era. In fact, it probably was the most dominant when you consider the opponent in addition to, you know, what was kind of going on. Um, just unbelievable. Like, we'll see what Illinois ends up being. There's a lot of talent on that roster. Obviously, they won eight games last year. I don't know that they're going to win eight games this year, but I th- still think they're going to be a six or seven win team. And yes, like in the end, that's not, you know, beating the number 10 team in the country. But when you beat a team that handily where you're at one point up 31 to seven, you're at one point in danger of blowing them out and you are clearly the better team over a team that might win six or seven games. Doesn't that imply that you should be an eight or a nine win team at the very least? Uh, This kind of goes in line with when Jalen Daniels returns, which he was back for this game when he is healthy and when he's playing like that and, and looks healthy and playing healthy. This is a team that can be a legit Big 12 title contender. And I think that's what we saw in this game, that Kansas is for real. You should have won that game by more than 11 points. And on one hand, you could say, well, maybe there were a couple games last year that you could have put away, like the Duke game and the Iowa State game, and you just didn't, and you let them hang around. And uh, maybe this is more of that. I just think a few kind of fluky things happened. Illinois had like the targeting call and uh, the the penalty on the, the two-point conversion, right? Like that plays into it. And Lawrence Arnold fumbling like right near the, the red zone. There were a lot of easy ways that Kansas could have ballooned this lead out or won by more without needing a Quentin Lasseter interception at the end. You know, uh, Daniel Highshaw got that first down at the end for my money. And they reviewed it and called him short. Like otherwise you don't get stopped on fourth down and maybe you just run it out or maybe you get another score there at the end. Like you very easily could have won this game by even more than 11 points. I don't walk away from this game. Like if you're just box score watching, if you did not watch the game and you you just went on your ESPN app afterwards and said, okay, you beat Illinois by 11 points. Okay. Like, okay. You probably played pretty well. I don't think it would do justice for how good Kansas played last night in that game, especially in that first half. They were dominant. They were dominating Illinois in that game. Um, so you, you, it wasn't just a coin flip game against another solid power five team. You out yarded a team that won eight games in the big 10 regular season last year who brought back 10 all Big Ten selections. You out-yarded them 539 to 341. That's almost 200-yard difference in a game like that. You had 262 rushing yards. That's not far off of their total yards in that game. Absolute dominant performance by KU. Do not let the final score of 11 points fool you. They were the much better team last night, and I think you're going to see that representative in uh, maybe some future games to come. But, I mean, Jalen Daniels is back. They they showed on the graphic, if you're watching on TV, Jason Bean is the starting quarterback on the graphic. 
he was out there on the first play, but so was Jalen Daniels. Jalen was the starter, and in, in the first play, he's like throwing a pass. Jalen is back, and it's not just that he's back in terms of like him actually being back from his back injury. It's that he is legitimately back to being a, a legit Heisman candidate. You know, last year, as much as that was talk, like after the first five games, they start 5-0, and Jalen Daniels has these ridiculous numbers and stats, and there was some of the talk about him being a Heisman contender and, and being on these short lists. Even though that was a thing, it was kind of a cute thing because it was like, oh, here, we're going to give this nod to this this Kansas guy who they're doing well early in the season. But realistically, like we're expecting Kansas to fall off at some point here, and then he won't be in the Heisman discussion. And who knows whether that would have happened or not had Jalen Daniels not had the injury. But, you know, it's one thing to be the, the Heisman front runner after week three. It's another thing to be after week eight, right? Those are just very different conversations. And last night for me should dispel any of those if it was more of a cute thing. He looked like that Heisman type of, I mean, the, the play that he had where he, you're backed up at your own end, it's like third down and he goes back and he's getting chased by Jerzon Newton. Who's going to be like a first round draft pick. Who was excellent last night, had a couple sacks and he has to dart by him to avoid the safety, then throws on the run downfield, pins a dart downfield. I think it was Luke Grimm who ended up coming up with the catch or maybe it was Quentin Skinner. Like that, that's just ridiculous. The, the play at the end of half where he throws it downfield, Luke Grimm. And, and in both of those instances, it takes the receivers making incredible, great, contested catches he had to give them a chance and they took advantage of that chance and give credit to the receivers for that too but it takes a special quarterback to take that risk and to you know even put it within a good level of accuracy that your guy can come down with it it's those little plays it's you know it's it's kind of a combination when I think about it for why Jalen Daniels is better than Jason Bean Jason Bean if Jalen Daniels didn't exist he would be the best Kansas quarterback in 15 years. Maybe you'd argue with Carter Stanley his, his last year of college. But either way, you know, everybody would love Jason Bean. I think everybody does love Jason Bean. It's just that Jalen Daniels, it goes from being a good quarterback to, yes, that Heisman-level quarterback. It is so apparent how much he changes the game from his running perspective, from his reading the, the defense, knowing when to give the ball off, knowing when to pitch it to his running backs. Like Those are plays he doesn't get credit for in the stat sheet, but guaranteed have an impact in the game. And it's those the key third downs. It's scrambling in the pocket, knowing when to run, knowing when to throw, keeping your eyes downfield. It's it's taking those chances. And he is just so outstanding of that. It is unbelievable to watch this kid play. And that was an absolute A-plus performance against Illinois. E even the interception. I mean, we'll get to our goats of the game here. But uh, even the interception was not like a, a dumb interception or something. He was taking a shot with his receiver one-on-one -on -one who had maybe half a step on the DB and it just ended up being – I actually thought when he first threw it, like I was like, oh, this might be overthrown if anything. And then Trevor Wilson was just really fast and, and kind of uh, you get a little bit past it. Um, but that's a shot you're worth taking, and you've taken him many other times, and your guys have come down with it. Also the defense. That was the other big takeaway in this one. The defense was good in this game. You have 23 points, but that easily could have been a lot less than that, um, kind of fading toward the end. And really impressed with the pass rush. Six sacks, absolute dominant performance there. I thought the coverage was really good from your corners. One thing we talked about a lot in the offseason was, you know, Kobe Bryant, can you take the step from being a big play corner to lockdown corner? I thought he was a lockdown corner in that game. And there were certain games he was that too last year, in addition to being the big play guy. But what could Melo Dotson do this year, right? Like as as many good flashes as Melo Dotson has shown in the past, you look at the overall stats last year, not great when you're looking at some of the target numbers necessarily. I think 65% completion percentage. He was really good last night too. So the coverage was good. Um I, I was impressed with even the linebackers. Like I thought Rich Miller and JB Brown were impressive. So defense was really good. And if your defense plays like that each and every game, 
and you pair that with Jalen Daniels in this offense and Andy Kotelnicki just being the mad scientist, that's how this team wins eight or nine games. That how the, that's how this team is a Big 12 title contender. And even though this win might not be KU's best win at the end of the year, I think we might look back on this if Kansas has that special season and say, yeah, there were a lot of telltale signs about why on that Friday night against Illinois. Are right, we going to continue on with our goats of the game? We have a lot of them to get to here with Locked On Jayhawks. First though, this episode of the show is brought to you by Nutrafol. Did you know that 80% of men will experience hair trimming thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, but it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of the thinning with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. Go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take the hair wellness quiz. You can identify causes of your thinning hair and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for your better health hair throughout your whole body wellness. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code Locked on college. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N U T R A F O L dot com slash men, and enter promo code Locked on college. That's Nutrafol.com slash men, promo code Locked on college. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked on college basketball podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Continue on with our goats of the game. Let's start with the good. We have a lot of good goats for this game for KU. Uh, Let's start with Jalen Daniels, 21 of 29, 277 yards, two touchdowns. Again, the interception, I didn't really even mind. Uh, I think that was a good risk in that spot. You were up by a lot. You you play a one-on-one ball. Your receivers have been so good. They've been coming down with those. And, um, you know, it was just slightly ever underthrown. And it was a really good play by the DB. Uh, You also had 24 rushing yards and and really set up your other guys with some of your reads there. It was just huge play after huge play that most normal good QBs don't make. You went from good to great, right? There's that difference there that you see. The third and nine scramble early in the game. The third and five that I mentioned earlier, it was actually Lawrence Arnold. I I have written down my notes. Um, After darting away from the possible sack safety from Newton, the throw to Graham at the end of the first half where you're on the run and kind of, you know, Patrick Mahomes, the Tyree kill, YOLO ball, chuck it up, but good ball downfield and a great catch by your guy. Even the semi-simple plays, or, or he makes them look simple, certain plays that are harder than you think. The first touchdown he threw to Tory Lachlan, that's actually a really hard throw that he made look very simple, and it ended up being a touchdown for Tory Lachlan. It's the simple plays. It's the uh, plays that should be hard, but he makes look simple. It's the hard plays. He just does everything, and it, it was such a reminder that as good as Jason Bean was in the first game and has been for KU in a backup role, there still is that jump you get when you go to Jalen Daniels. Devin Neal gets a good go to the game. 10 carries, 120 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, We just need a, a, I don't don't know, put Devin Neal on the cooking channel because uh, a cutting highlight reel 
would would make up everything with Devin Neal. I mean, some of the cuts again just continue to to blow your mind and how he's been able to get open and uh, he's got over 200 yards now over the course of the season. If he keeps on this pace, he'll have over 1,200 yards, which uh, would be another improvement from him last year after he had a thousand yards. He's been excellent so far this season. Daniel Highshaw was really good in this game too. 12 carries, 98 yards, and a touchdown. He gets a good goat. You know, I was I was a little skeptical after week one on Daniel Highshaw. I'll own up to this. I was worried that the injury was maybe going to hold him back a little bit. We didn't see the same explosiveness on the few, first few carries of last week. And I did say there was a chance that that was just him shaking the rust off. And I think, you know, looking back to it, that is the case here. I was worried, too, about the fumble thing. You saw Illinois players throughout the game trying to strip the ball from him, but he held on to it. So that's going to be the big key for Daniel Highshaw. But the explosiveness was back in full force. We saw the explosiveness on the touchdown he had, but I wondered if that was just kind of a one-play thing. This game, you saw it all the way back. So I think it's safe to say early in the game last week was just him shaking the rust off after that that devastating injury. And it's nice to see him back because when he is back to this explosive guy, he, he might be one of the most, I don't know, he might be the most fun skill player to watch on KU just because of how hard he runs and how powerful he is. You know, I uh, I kind of said uh, on Twitter, I, I don't think this picked up much steam, so I don't think people like it much, but I don't care. I'm going to repeat it anyway. I think they should name the, the backfield Rock, Paper, Scissors. Rock is Daniel Hyshaw. He's, you know, tough as a rock. He's powerful. Devin Neal is scissors because he cuts. And then Paper is, I don't know, you could say Tory Lachlan or you could say Dylan McDuffie because those guys are like dependable. It's always like, well, you know, your computer, your keyboard's not working. Well, a piece of paper and a pen, right? That's always like paper goes with a lot of things. You can, uh, it's versatile. Anyway, there's my dumb uh, dad comparison, I guess, for the day. Uh, anyway, blocking, I think it's a uh, good goat here, and that's part of the reason Highshaw and Neal had such good games, part of the reason Jalen Daniels was able to stay in the pocket and kept him upright and protected against a game where you were playing the law firm in Illinois and Jerzon Newton. Newton obviously had a couple big plays, but overall you had an 85 pass block grade. You had to keep Jalen Daniels upright and avoid hits from him after coming back from that injury. You did an excellent job of that. So the offensive line, unbelievable job in pass blocking. But I think overall – it was all blocking. It wasn't just the offensive line. I mean, we talk all the time about like Jared Casey, the big blocks that he spins. Um, but here's some of the, the pro football focus grades. And, and this is the original one. I, I think they go back and check this as these could be adjusted over the next 24 hours or so. But Mason Fairchild had a 78 run blocking grade. Douglas Emelian, who I thought blocked really well in week, week one, but they didn't give him a good grade. He had a 76 this week, so he did get the good grade this week. Quentin Skinner had a 72. Lawrence Arnold had a 69. Jared Casey had a 67. Kansas did a, a very good job blocking downfield, and that's something that you really notice when you see those long plays downfield. The receivers are blocking their tail off, and they deserve a ton of credit for that. That's something that goes back to last year. They've done it this year, and maybe they've even taken a step up from where they were. As far as singling out some of the offensive linemen, uh, I thought the three guys who, who played the best, and, and you look at some of the pro football focus numbers, these come to mind. Now, um, obviously the interior guys had to deal with those defensive tackles. So graded against the curve, I still would thought that, you know, Reed Adams and Ford outside of maybe one play from Newton and Mike Nowitzki were really good, but Dominic Pooney had an 87 pass block grade, a 70 run grade. Bryce Cable, who had an 85 pass block grade. He was excellent there. He did spring a couple big run blocks. Didn't grade out super well there, but he did have a couple big ones. And then Kobe Baines was really good. 74 pass block grade, 73 run block grade. So, um, I really liked what the KU offensive line and, and overall of the blocking did and opening up some of those huge holes for Devin Neal and Daniel Highshaw. Defensive end room gets a whole good go here for singling out players specifically. 
Jeremy Robinson and Austin Booker, both excellent. You know, we had the question all offseason, would Jeremy Robinson take that jump to being your next Lonnie Phelps, Kyron Johnson type of guy? Through two weeks, he looks like he is taking on that mantle. We'll see how it continues on from here, but so far he has done that. Austin Booker might be the best pure pass rusher, though, on the team. Now, they're not using him every down as much as Jeremy Robinson, but that pass rush ability is so key. And that makes it nice. You can you can throw in somebody for this situation, somebody for that situation. Booker has been excellent in pass rush. Obviously, he had the targeting call, which stinks, and that'll keep him out of the first half of Nevada. But defensive end room was really good. It wasn't just those two guys. Like Those are the two that, that stood out the most, but uh, really impressed there. J.B. Brown played some defensive end, so he would go in there. I want to single him out, though. He had an 84 pass rush grade, so they might have found something with using him in sub packages and using him here or there as a defensive end. I think that's something they're going to do more and more of because he was really good in that position. But even when he was in linebacker, man, he was all over the field. Like he made the 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 tackle, I think, on the first drive of the game for Illinois that kind of set the tone where you trip up Altmeyer on the, the QB scramble. He was making tackles all over the field. He was making pass rushes all over the field. I, I've had an unhealthy man crush on J.B. Brown all offseason, and uh, I'm, I'm feeling good about that headed into the season. Mello Dotson gets a good goat here. Unreal concentration on that interception that he had. But he also had a team-best 79 coverage grade, so he was great in coverage all night long. That was kind of deserved for him to come away with an interception. I will say Kobe Bryant probably deserves mention here, too, because he was really good. Um, he had a good pro football focus grade, too. I singled out Mello because they both were really good in coverage, but Mello also had the interception. Overall, though, how about this from the duo of them? If we just say the two starting corners, Kobe Bryant, Melo Dotson, they were targeted seven times, according to Pro Football Focus, Kobe Bryant, Melo Dotson. You know how many yards they gave up? 22. They were targeted seven times, and they gave up 22 yards and had an interception and two pass breakups. That'll play. Uh, also, tackling improvement, I think it's a good goat here. You missed, uh, I think it was 11 or something in the Missouri State game. You just missed six in this game. You had 10 players who had a 72 or higher tackling grade against a more physical team. You did a good job uh, in, in meeting that challenge with tackling. Seth Keller also gets one perfect on kicks, perfect on field goals so far to this part of the season. He'll hope that continues, but yeah, you haven't really needed any long ones. Hopefully you won't for a while because that means the offense is moving the ball really well, but so far he's been steady. And, you know, I, I know this gets lost because, well, you won by 11 points. Like how much does it matter? Think about it this way. If KU has their kicking situation last year, which was the worst in the Big 12 by field goal percentage, there's a chance that instead of Seth Keller making both field goals, your kicking situation last year goes one of two. And while that doesn't sound like a huge deal, that's the difference between 34-23 and 31-23 to where on that last drive, even though you get the Quentin Lasseter interception, you're sweating it out because you have to have that stop. But because you had the both field goals, you did feel like you still had a little cushion. Our bad goats here. We're going to get to that after this quick break in the action and uh, what's next on the agenda for KU. First, though, this episode of the show is brought to you by Game Time. I uh, just got tickets with Game Time to the Chiefs game on Thursday night. Obviously, the game didn't go well. That was the more stressful situation, though, than actually buying the tickets. I bought the tickets the morning of. The thing is, I wasn't stressed at all because I knew Game Time was going to help me out. And Game Time had everything I needed. They have killer deals on last-minute tickets, best price guarantee. You don't have to keep stressing over tickets. Start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. We were hyped. We were excited. And then uh, the Chiefs receivers decided to drop everything. But the ticket-buying process was super easy, super non-stressful, no hassle. They have flash deals and last-minute tickets. 
easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. They have images of the seat views that you're going to be at, lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and more. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, anything you can think of. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on college for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on college for $20 off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Finishing things up, we've got bad goats and then uh, a quick look at what's next. Not a ton on the bad goats here. I will throw out fumbling. You know, that was a problem for KU last year. That was maybe a small problem in week one. You you had the one that that led to the Missouri State touchdown in the lead. Uh, Devin Neal fumbles on the first drive. Fortunately, Doug Emelian, who maybe he could get a good goat because of his blocking and and picking up that fumble and allowing you to get the momentum and, and not give it up right there. Um, but that was a problem. Fortunately, you got it back. And then Lawrence Arnold, when you're up 31-7 near the red zone, you did get that uh, Mellow Dotson interception after that. So I guess that one kind of balanced itself out. But you were really close to scoring there. Who knows? Maybe that would have been a 38-7 to uh, score that would have just completely put Illinois out of it had you not fumbled there. But that's something more so that you're worried about for long term than affected this specific game. So stop fumbling. Uh, defending tempo is something that I don't know. Maybe bad goat is too harsh here. It's something I have a question about. Last year, they really struggled when they had to defend tempo. And against Illinois, when they were playing slow, they did very well defensively. It was the drives that Illinois sped it up. You think about the end of the game. You think about in the fourth quarter. You think about at the end of the first half when they went down and scored a touchdown. Those were with tempo. Maybe those just happened to be coincidence that those were drives that Illinois had good play calls and made good plays and they just happened to be when they were running tempo. Or maybe there's a correlation there. We're going to learn more over the course of the season because you're going to be playing higher tempo teams. It's also week two. So, you know, especially against Illinois, you're not going to be really preparing for tempo that early in the year, but something that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. And then just finishing, uh, like I said, you dominated this game. Um, I don't know what the heck happened on that Luke Altmaier 70 yard touchdown scramble. That shouldn't have happened. Um, you should have won this game by more than 11 points. So that kind of gets a bad goat here. But still, at the end of the day, you know, they are a power five team. They were going to eventually kind of heat up at least a little bit, you would think. So as far as what's next for KU, they're at Nevada. That'll be this Saturday. It is a late game. I'm sure all the bars and restaurants are are actually loving this because you're going to be able to, you know, stay open late and, you know, have fun, hypothetically make some cool, I don't know, touchdown deals, whatever. 9.30 p.m. Central time for the game KU at Nevada last next Saturday. If you're KU, just don't let this be a letdown game. You had a big win. You're going on the road against a team who might not be very good. Nevada just got spanked by USC. They were an underdog going into Saturday to an FCS team, the only FBS team who was an underdog on Saturday to an FCS team. So this might not be a great Nevada team. They do have some Power 5 transfers from the Pac-12 into the program. They do have some interesting talent, but – this should be a game that you should roll them. Don't let it be a letdown day game. Don't get, you know, on your high horse or or don't get uh, kind of, I don't know, after what happened this Friday night and, and how it goes. Um, also, obviously, Austin Booker, Kobe Bryant going to be out of the first half with the targeting calls. That could have an impact on the game. So opportunity for other guys to step up and play well in a game like this. And uh, yeah, just do what you're supposed to do. Go dominate this game because from here, the schedule will get a lot tougher week in and week out. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. We'll be back on uh, Monday for our biggest overall takeaway, short-term, long-term from the KU-Illinois game. We're going to have another KU basketball positional preview throughout the week, more KU football talk, KU-Nevada preview, plenty more coming at you this next week. So make sure you're the show 
or subscribe and uh, like our page on our YouTube page. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next time with Locked on Jayhawks.